All right, if you have your Bible, turn to the book of Revelation with me this morning, please. This completes the canon of Scripture. Revelation chapter number 1 and verse 1. I suppose now, by now, you all kind of figured out that I like preaching about the Lord. Amen. Amen. Revelation 1.1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass. And he sent, it, he sent and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bear record of the word of God and of the testimony of Jesus Christ and of all things that he saw. Blessed is he that readeth, they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein for the time is at hand. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace be unto you and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come. And from the seven spirits which are before his throne, from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth and to him that loved us and washed us from our sins and his own blood. And hath made us kings and priests to God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him. And they also which pierced him, and all kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. And then finish with verse 8. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the ending, saith the Lord, which is, which was, which is to come, El Shaddai, the Almighty. Father, bless this word now. In thy name I pray. Amen. No stronger statement could be made of the deity of Christ than to call him the Almighty. Because there can only be one Almighty. Amen. Only one. And so we find the scriptures very clear in the book of Revelation. From chapter to chapter to chapter to chapter, it's all about exalting the Lord Jesus Christ. The last book of the Bible, therefore, is one of the greatest books in the Bible for the exaltation of Christ and not man. The Lord Jesus Christ is mentioned throughout the book of Revelation a number of different ways. For example, he begins by glorifying the Son of God in the midst of the church. We see him in his glory and in his beauty. In other words, we behold him today as the world does not behold him. We know him as the world does not know him. We love him as the world does not love him. We worship him as the world has no clue about. He is our Lord. He's our master. He's our God. He's everything there is to us. Outside of him, there is nothing. With him, we have everything. The glorified son of God. Then he comes as before us as the lamb of God. As a matter of fact, in the book of Revelation, he's mentioned as the lamb 28 times. The only other place in the New Testament that he's called the lamb of God is by John the Baptist. And so that's a remarkable statement when you think about what I just said to you. John said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. So only John the Baptist, and here in the book of Revelation, is he mentioned the Lamb of God. And 28 times in Revelation he is. The book of Revelation presents him to us as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And indeed he is. And the book of Revelation presents to us the mystery of the Godhead. Begins to unfold before us. For we see in the book of Revelation the unity of the Godhead as it begins to un unfold for those of us who will one day see him as he is. 
It would do us all well this morning if for whatever you have in your mind, whatever picture that you have in your mind of God the Father, just kind of dismiss it. Because the only understanding that we have of God is his Son. Because he hath made him known. And without that, he is an invisible, almighty, eternal, absolute being that cannot be known, cannot be approached, can know nothing about him except his creation. God the Father, my dear friend, is an absolute and complete total mystery. But the Lord Jesus Christ is the door to that mystery. And he'll show us the Father one day. No man knows the Father but the Son, and no man knows the Son but the Father. Amen. And so that's the scripture. So I know that one day I will see the Godhead in its glory and in its beauty and appreciate him for who he is. But to, this, in the message this morning, I want to talk about the Lamb of God as we find him in the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter number, chapter number 5 and verse number 6, it presents him to us as the Lamb as it had been slain. Chapter number 5 and verse number 8, it talks about the prayers of the saints which have been offered up to God in association with the Lamb. He's an interceding Lamb. Revelation chapter number 5 and verses 12 through 13, the scripture says, worthy is the Lamb. And this is the key to understanding everything that happens in the book of Revelation is the fact that he indeed is worthy to open the book and loose the seals. He is worthy to receive worship and praise and honor and glory. He is worthy that his name is exalted above every name. Amen. He is worthy that there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved but the name of the Lord Jesus. Worthy, worthy, worthy is the Lamb. Revelation chapter number 6 and verse number 1. We begin to see the power of the Lamb. In his weakness he died, but in his power he was raised from the dead, never to die again. The Bible says that he was subject to death, but no longer. In Revelation chapter number 6 and verse 16, we find where there hideth from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. It kind of gives you an idea of how in the final rejection of Christ, for those that despise and hate him, that they'll only come to the place to where all they can say is, get us away from him, hide us from his faith. We don't want to see him anymore. And yet, my dear friend, the most beautiful face you will ever look at in this world or you'll ever see in eternity is the face of the lamb, the one who bore you hell on the cross, who died for you, and they rammed a crown of, on hell, a crown of thorns upon his head. There is nothing more beautiful than the face of the lamb. Amen, amen, amen. Revelation chapter number seven, we find him as the Savior, salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne. Savior, soter in Greek. There is no greater Savior. There is no Savior apart from him. There is no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. Do you know him as the Savior? You may have an intellectual understanding of him. You may have been to Theology, Christology 101, know all about your Bible college and what it taught you. That's all great, but what have you got in your heart? Do you know that one that they taught you about? The Bible says in chapter number 7 and verse number 17, He shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and feed them and lead them to fountains of living waters. That's the shepherd lamb. Then in chapter number 12 and uh, chapter 12 and verse 11 and chapter 7 and verse 14, it talks about the blood of the lamb, the blood, the blood of the lamb. My dear friend, that blood can wash your sins away. 
You can scrub as tight as, as, as Pontius Pilate did. You can scrub and scrub and scrub and scrub. You can work and work and work and work. You can do penance and do penance and do penance. You can do everything humanly possible, but you cannot get rid of one single sin. But the blood of Christ can. He can wash that sin away. Then in chapter number 13 and verse number 8, it talks about the worship of the man of sin. And worship is another theme that runs through Revelation. The word shows up over and over and over again. The world is being prepared for worship of the Antichrist. Amen. You don't need anybody when it comes to worshiping God. You can be alone with not a soul within a thousand miles. But if your heart's right with God, you can pour it out to the Lord and you can have real worship. Amen. You can come into a house like you're in this morning with the power of the Holy Ghost up here in this choir like this. If that doesn't stir something in your soul, what's in your soul? You're full of Baptist religion. That's what's wrong with you. Amen. I'm mad at you, preacher. That's okay. People mad at me for. Amen. Not first time. Revelation chapter 15, verse number 3. And they sang the song of the Lamb. Chapter 17, verse 14. They want to make war with the Lamb. Chapter 19, verse 7. There's the marriage of the Lamb. Then the marriage supper of the Lamb. Chapter 19, verse 9. Then 21, verse number 14. It talks about the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The foundation of the new Jerusalem. Have you noticed, my dear friend? can put this together and understand that everything that is anything whatsoever, that anything that has to do with God Almighty himself, it is through the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, of him, through him, by him, to him, are all things. All things were made by him and for him. Without him, nothing exists that exists. The Lord Jesus Christ is the it of everything. He's to be exalted above all there is. Throughout eternity we'll shout the name of the Son of God. Saved. And then I'll join with a crowd that says, Redeemed. 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 How I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Amen. Hallelujah to God. So the Bible tells us he's the foundation. Then in chapter number 21, we find the mystery of the temple, mystery of the lamb. Chapter 22, verse 1, the mystery of the lamb shows up again. And then, my friend, one day we'll see him, know him as he is. Do you want to see the heart of God? See the lamb. Do you want to see the mind of God? Get a hold of the lamb, for he's the wisdom of God. Do you want the mercy of God? It'll come through the lamb. Do you want the one at the end of the book? that finishes the canon of scripture, it's about the lamb. Do you want forgiveness? Only from the lamb. Do you want peace with God? Only from the lamb. Do you want a reason to live? My dear friend, don't get your 12 point this, run after some politician, get some kind of movement, go to the lamb. He'll give you a reason to live. That's how I'm able to preach. That's how you're able to live. That's what gives you power. That's what gives you peace and joy. Do you want answers? My dear friend, he may not answer every question you have, but he's the answer. He's God's answer for mankind. The Lord Jesus Christ is all we need. And then, do you want to understand God? Then you'll understand him through the Son. And do you want to see God? Right now, you can see as much as God reveals to us through his Son. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So Jeremiah 9 says this, Thus saith the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. For I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, that's grace, judgment and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, saith the Lord. I know that one. 
for I came to him as a dirty, rotten, stinking, low-down piece of garbage, and he received me by grace and by mercy, and he washed my sins away. Amen. I didn't know what all was going to happen to me in that living room when I bowed my head and said, God, be merciful to, to me a sinner. I didn't. I just knew that I was walking in hell. I knew I had a burden on me that I couldn't live with. I knew that I was convicted, and I knew I was headed to the pit, and I knew I deserved to be there. And I bowed my head, and I said, God, be merciful to me a sinner. And Lord, how mercy did I ever wake up in a new world. Amen. Amen. A brand new world. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, though, turn that with me now. I want you to look at this this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11 and verse number 14. The Bible says, and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also be transformed as the ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. That's the kind of scripture that you need to read and meditate upon and say, Lord, write it in my heart. Am I one of these? Am I a minister of righteousness or am I a fake? Which one is it? The Bible says he can transform his ministers as ministers of righteousness. We live in a nation, my dear friend, when people cannot tell the difference from the truth and error. They can't. They don't know the difference. They don't know the difference. We live in a country, and my friend, it's full of prosperity preachers, prosperity churches. You think because you've got a big bank account, you must be doing something right for God. But that is no measure, my dear friend, of your relationship with the Lord. None whatsoever. Now, notice what Galatians chapter number 1 and verse 8 says. In Galatians 1, 8, he said, But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you, than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. It doesn't say let him be pitied. It doesn't say let him be uh, accommodated. It said curse him. Why? Because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. You came into this house this morning, you wanted to hear the truth. You're tuning in, you're listening online, you want to hear the truth. It is my responsibility and obligation to preach you the truth. The scripture tells me plainly in the book of Hebrews that I watch for your souls, that I must give an account, and I do. I have to give an account. I'm responsible, my dear friend. I am the one whose neck is on the chop block for Temple Baptist Church, and I have to give them account. So I'm going to preach the truth. I'm going to preach the gospel to you. The gospel, my dear friend, is not so much a message as it is a person. The gospel is a person. Salvation's a person. You may misunderstand a lot of catechisms. You may misunderstand a lot of polity of churches and all of the rest of that, but the person Christ Jesus is the salvation of God. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. Amen. So what do I do, preacher, to receive the gospel? Receive the Son. What do I do to be saved, preacher? Receive the Son. What do I do to get my sins forgiven, preacher? Receive the Son. The Lord Jesus Christ is the forgiveness of God. The Lord Jesus Christ is the salvation of the Lord. My dear, I, you know, that's so simple that folks just simply stumble over it. Amen. Some churches say you've got to do this, do that, do this, do that, do this, do that. No, my dear friend, it's not a matter of doing. It's already been done. It's a matter of receiving the one who did it all for you, the Son of God. Now, these, these people will preach. These that are transformed to ministers of righteousness, they'll preach. 
and they can transform themselves into angels of light, they'll preach. They'll preach righteousness. No kidding, preacher, how in the world? Oh, yes, they will. But you see, it's not the righteousness of God. If you belong to a church, you listen to a preacher and all he talks about is do this, do that. And my friend, listen to me. He may be very smooth and slick and cunning in the way he presents it. But if it's not the righteousness of God through our Lord Jesus Christ, it is self-righteousness. Then he'll preach a perverted form of holiness. What do you mean? Holiness in the Bible, the basic meaning of the word, is not so much righteousness, although righteousness is certainly associated with it. But the word holiness in the Bible means apart, 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 separate. God was holy, has always been holy before sin ever existed. God is holy, has always been holy before the first, my friend, sin was ever committed. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And it's interesting. In the book of Isaiah, chapter number six and verse number three, this is interesting. It says, and one cried unto another and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Well, what's crying? A ball of fire to a ball of fire. A seraphim from the Hebrew word saraph, which means to burn. In plain words, a burning ball of fire coming down before the throne of God with his glory and his train that filled the temple with nothing but beauty and glory and power and majesty. These things get so carried away that they can't do anything in his presence but cry, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Now note carefully, there's a throne involved here. He's on a throne here. And the Bible says, as Isaiah starts chapter 6, he says, in the year that King Uzziah died. Now, if you remember your Bible and study the scripture, you know that Uzziah was a leprous king. They told him, do not enter into where we are. You cannot do that. I know you're the king, but you don't have the spiritual authority to do what you think you can do. You haven't been set aside. You haven't been anointed. You haven't been touched by God. He said, I do it anyway. I'm the king. Go ahead. And he paid dearly for it. For he was smitten with leprosy and he died a leper from the day up that day on. And so the Bible tells you here in the year that King Uzziah died, the leprous king that died of leprosy, leprosy, a type of sin, eating, literally eating away, human flesh dissolving on the bone. He said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. See the difference between the one high and lifted up? What we have in Genesis, I mean in Isaiah 6 is sovereignty. Now it shows up again. Look over here in the book of Revelation chapter number 4 in verse number 8. This holy, holy, holy. Revelation chapter number 4 in verse 8. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him. And they were full of eyes within. And they rest not day and night saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Think about this for a moment. There's a throne here too. Isn't that remarkable? And it only shows up two times in the whole Bible. In all 66 chapters, my dear friends, 66 books rather of the Bible, holy, holy, holy only shows up two times. One in Isaiah chapter six with the throne, the sovereignty of God. And the second time in the book of Revelation chapter number four and verse number eight. Who is there in Revelation chapter four and verse eight? Who's in the midst of the throne in Revelation chapter number four and verse number eight? Why, it's the Lamb of God. Now look at this. We have sovereignty, has sovereignty. How do you, how, look at it, look carefully. 
Revelation chapter number four and verse eight, saying, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. Now look at this now. This is time, which was, which is, and which is to come. What's that mean? That means that the everlasting, eternal, almighty being is always present in the past. He's always present in the present, and he's always present in the future. In all aspects of time, he is ever present. Oh, man. And here's Satan in the wilderness in 40 days. Showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and offered it to him. And <laughs> who are you? <laughs> who are you to offer to me what you don't even half understand? And the Lord Jesus Christ said, It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Satan had power. He still has power. He can give you riches. He can give you wealth. He can touch you. He can raise you up. He can open doors for you. You can sell your soul to Satan and he'll pay you back. But payday, my dear friend, there'll be a payday. Satan has a payday. You will pay him back for everything that he gives you. And he'll receive with interest and compounded. When you pay Satan back, he takes everything you've got and sifts you as wheat. So we have sovereignty, past, present, and future. Say, preacher, you're talking about time travel. He doesn't have to travel. <laughs> He's there. You get a hold of that. We call it omnipresence. That's a big word they use in Theology 101. That means the Almighty is everlasting in the past, everlasting in the present, and everlasting in the future. He has all power over time. In other words, the laws of physics were given by the lawgiver. Where were the laws of physics before the lawgiver gave the law of physics? Where was creation before the creator brought it into existence? Are you thinking with me? I'm going to make you think. Where was anything before that almighty being said, let there be? In Hebrews in Genesis chapter 1, bara is the Hebrew word for creation. It means to bring into existence from nothing. So what do you mean by that? I mean that in the future, he creates a future. There is a future to come. There is a time element involved with it. There is a place for us. If you know the Lord today, there's a land that is fairer than day, but it's not the only land. There is a beautiful city, 1,500 miles square coming down from God out of heaven, but that's just part of the creation of Almighty God. What's he going to do, preacher? I don't know. He hasn't told me. He hasn't told anybody, but he will do it. Amen. Start with this. Please hear me out. If you can't hear anything else I say. Folks, I was as dead and dark and lost as you can possibly be. What am I doing up here tonight, this morning preaching to you? It's because God put something inside here that wasn't in here before. He created life in me. He gave me my life. My life. You've been born again? He, he, he gave you your life. Yours. Yours is not mine. Mine's mine. You can't have it. My life is my life. My new birth is mine. He forgave me of my sins. He wrote my name in the Lamb's book of life. I am his and he is mine. Amen. 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 Bless the Lamb, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. I'll preach him till the last breath leaves this body. Why, preacher? Because he's worthy. Listen, if I preach about men, I'll come to an end because there's only so much about men. If I preach about creation, there's always an end to it. The creation is only so large. 
whatever subject matter you choose to preach, it's limited. There's an end to it, but not him, not him. There is no end to Christ. We've only seen the beginning. Hallelujah. I'm trying to say to you this morning, if you want heaven to be sweeter by the day, if you want heaven to become a place where your heart longs and longs and longs, I want you to think about that mother or that father, that son, that daughter, that husband, that wife. I want you to think about that grandmother and that grandfather. God bless your soul. The ones that you love dearly. I want you to think about them. I want you to think about where they are. I want you to think about who they're with. They can be in no safer place. They could be in no better place. There could be no, there, there is nowhere like the beauty that they behold at this moment. The singing that they listen to, the river, the water of life. My goodness gracious, you can live there for eternity and still not scratch the surface of what God has in store for those that love him. Eye hath not seen, ear hath not heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man. The things the Lord has in store for those that love him. Don't let Satan rob you. Don't let him rob you. Don't, some of you are good people, you're letting him rob you. He's stealing your joy from your soul. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. That's all he is. He's full of lies. He's full of hell. He's the creator of all of that. He's the father of lies. Don't let him, don't let him rob you of that which is good. But I'll tell you this. Consecration, they'll preach. They'll preach for you to be separated. 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 Consecrated. Given to something. And you know what they're going to pre- You know what you're going to be giving yourself to if you don't know the Lord Jesus? His mark. You'll be taking his mark. Then fellowship. Oh, yes, the fellowship. They'll preach fellowship. I mean, all the elements that you think make up a church service and the, and the preaching of the word. But you see, every word, it's like semantics. What's semantics, all right? Semantics says that if I say, if I say good, well, semantics, if I say good, Webster's Dictionary defines good as this, but semantics means that when I say good, I mean something entirely different from what Webster says. That's semantics, and you live in a world of semantics. Everything's unclear today. Meanings of words, word meaning is completely changed. They've changed genders, haven't they? You can't believe anything. Did you know there's a thing on YouTube right now? I want to warn you about this because this will help you. Some woman took a, took a photograph of herself standing in front of a mirror. And she posted it on some YouTube social channel or something. Now listen to me. She took a photograph of her. Now innocent enough. I mean innocent as it can be. She just stuck her photograph up there in front of a mirror. This man got artificial intelligence. He took that photograph. He stripped every bit of clothes off of her and put her up as stark raven naked. Yeah, yeah. He put her up as naked on the internet. And now she's been shamed to death. She doesn't know what to do about it, how to handle it. And this is wicked. This is vile garbage. But that's what artificial intelligence can do. We live under the sword of Damocles and it can fall at any moment upon your head and you don't realize the danger that you're living in. It's hard and I try to keep up somewhat with it, but it's still ahead of me, my dear friend. You spent all your life, time trying to keep up this junk. But it's, a, it's something to think. You cannot believe a photograph anymore. You cannot believe a videotape anymore. You can't even believe an audio recording. You can't believe any of it because of the technology available today. They can put you where they want to put you, make you look the way they want you to look, strip you of everything that's decent and good, and leave you as a casualty lying on the side of the road. Don't you think they're getting ready for the mark of the beast? Oh, yes. They're getting ready for it. Oh, yeah. Yes, they are. Then there's the worship. They worship. Oh, he loves to worship. Oh, he wants you to worship him. Satan wants worship so bad. 
so bad, fall down. He had the gall to say to the Lord Jesus Christ, get out here and worship me. Boy, man, man. Boy, you talk about gall to the Son of God. Get down and worship. And of course, the Lord Jesus answered him with scripture. They will not preach Christ. They will preach another Jesus. The apostle Paul said, for I'm jealous of you over godly jealousy. I've espoused you to one husband that I may present you as chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety. So your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus whom you've not preached, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him. So there's another Jesus, another spirit, and another gospel. The righteousness without Christ is self-righteousness. Righteousness is a big theme of the Bible. And the book that carries more and says more about it is the book of Romans. Read Romans and study what he talks about. Perverted holiness without Christ is a descent into hell, separate unto your God. Consecration without Christ is to enter into self-destruction. Fellowship without Christ leads to demonic possession. And worship without Christ is devil worship. The Holy Spirit will have no part in the exaltation and glorification of anything other than Christ. You'll have no part with it. Do you want righteousness? Then the Holy Spirit will teach you about the righteousness of Christ. He has made unto us. I know you've heard me say it and I'm going to say it again. Before the Lord Jesus Christ came into this world, there was a righteousness that did not exist. Once he had lived a sinless, perfect, obedient life under the Father, a righteousness came into being, my dear friend, that is the righteousness of every born-again saint, and it is the righteousness that allowed him to enter into the very presence of God and sit down at his right hand. It was a righteousness that was born, lived, hammered out, and created right here on this earth. <laughs> now think about it. And that righteousness that started here was able to exalt right up into the very presence of Almighty God. And that, my dear friend, is the righteousness that I want. Pick me. Don't pick long. Say, our preacher's not perfect. Who are you kidding? <laughs> Why, no kidding. Listen, I have to get on my knees and cry out to God. I do my praying. I confess and say, Lord, search my whole soul. Try my heart. Show me. And pray and repent and get forgiveness from God. And do it on, on a daily basis. I don't have any righteousness. I wouldn't trust my righteousness for a breath. I wouldn't trust me for a half a second to get into heaven. I trust him. And I, God, I was sitting out there this morning looking up the stars, beautiful up there. I got to figure out what some of these stars are because it, I got I to find out what I'm looking at. But I'm out here this morning and, it's, and the sun, not the sun, but the moon, has, we've had a full moon. That thing was bright right up over my head. I don't know how many stargazers we got in here, but I'm out there. And I'm talking to the Lord. And I'm talking to the Lord. And it just keeps coming back to me. Who do you identify with the Bible? Find one that you identify the most in your life in the Bible. I'm going to ask you that question because he asked me. Do you identify with Abraham? Do you identify with Moses? Do you identify with, say, Luke? Or do you identify with Joshua? What about him? Who do you identify with? How about the Apostle Paul? Who do you identify with? I'm going to tell you who I identify with. Take me to a cross. And look over at that old thief. 
And I look over at him and I say, I'm right where I belong. And I'm going to tell you right now, I'm just like you, thief. And I look on past him to the one in the middle and I say, Lord, remember me. Really? That's what keeps coming to me. That's the only plea I've got. That's my only plea. I can preach a thousand years. That's not going to get you in heaven. You can pastor a thousand. That's not going to do one thing for you. Who do you identify with? Somebody in that Bible identify with a thief. Now, I identify with Jacob, too. I sneak around, did some of the things Jacob did. You know, I mean, you study the lives of these people. Look at Abraham. He lied about his wife, Sarah. She's my sister, he said. Well, that's half-truth. I mean, if you know your Bible, you know that's a half-truth. She, she was his half-sister. You find all kinds of stuff that goes on in the Bible, the real people. The Bible doesn't cover it up. He doesn't, doesn't paint a rosy picture that shows you who they, what, they, what they are. Shows you what they are. But I identify with that thief. Why? Because that's all I know to say to God. Remember me, Lord. Because I can't remember every sin I've ever committed. Can you? I can't remember yesterday, much less the sins I've committed. If you thought that you had to confess every sin you've ever committed to be right with God, you live in fairyland. Because nobody can confess that. Because you can't remember it. So what do you do, preacher? You throw yourself at the mercy of God. You come to him and say, Lord, here I am. Have mercy on me. Remember me, Lord. When you come into your kingdom, I'm here. Remember me. And you know what he said? What did he say? And that Roman centurion stood there. And he heard that. He did. He was watching and listening. Folks, they're out there right now. And they're watching and listening. Yeah, they are. So you got something you want me to have. Is that it? That's their question. They're watching and they're listening. So what did that old centurion finally say? He said, this is the son of God. Do you want holiness? You'll be directed to your place in Christ. My life is hid with Christ and God. That's true holiness. Do you want consecration? And Christ is the anchor of your soul. Not your religion, not the church. Do you want fellowship? Now this is important. Then spend some time in 1 John. Chapter number 1, verses 1 through 10. Learn what verses 8, 9, and 10 mean. Pray over it. Seek for wisdom from God. Because I guarantee you right now, that'll be the least preached text that you'll hear in the churches. Why? Because it goes to the soul. You can't hide anymore once you've read that one. Do you desire worship? It will come as you break free from man-made religion. You don't need anyone to worship God. I have some times out there on that deck. Amen, I do. If I'd rather lose my house than lose my deck. <laughs> if you will, take my house but leave my deck. <laughs> There's a place out there where I can get a hold of God. <laughs> I hate rainy mornings. <laughs> Amen. Father, bless your word. The time we have in your house, bless your word as it goes forth to the people. Lord, the messenger's done what I'm supposed to do, Father. I've preached it. That's it. That's what I am. I'm the messenger, Lord. I'm at peace now. I can rest. Oh, God, I can rest. But now it's yours. It's your work. It's the work of the Holy Spirit. There's somebody in the house that need help. They needed help. They need it desperately. And maybe you said something to them. Maybe you said something to them the first time in a way they'd never heard it before. They've heard, but they haven't heard it that way. And it begins to open a door for them. It begins to turn a light on. It begins to give them something they can take hold of. They can come to you with. Then, Lord, I've, 
I've, uh, I've succeeded if I've done that. I pray you'd bless it now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Let's pray, brother.